Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello, coders, and welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Agile, and I'm talking to Scott Ambler, who knows a thing or two about Agile. Hi, Scott. How's it going? Hey, pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a bit wet here in England. How's things over in Toronto? Uh, hot and muggy, so not not exactly our normal weather, but yeah, the, the rain is coming down in, in, in liquid form as opposed to snow form. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So you're a, a chief scientist at Disciplined Agile. Um, before we talk about what Disciplined Agile is, can we talk about your background and how you got into the industry? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been, uh, yeah, I started out as a coder, I guess, in the you know, early 80s, uh, early to mid 80s, uh, one of those old guys that have actually coded on cards and and in the, and then go ahead and bore everybody with that story because card, you know, card programming is just so fun. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so sort of you know, Fortran cards and then um, all that good sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, worked uh, worked as a developer in, into the into easily into the mid 90s, mid to late 90s. Um, but while I was doing that, I uh, really got interested in process stuff. Uh, I was always asking the question, you know, how does this work? How do we make this more effective? And how do we how do we work with others more effectively? And uh, you know, w- went you know went back to school, got a got a master's in information science uh, with a with a focus on uh, the usability and and uh, UX design of groupware. Uh, well, at the time it was called groupware. I, I guess it still is called groupware. But um, so yeah, so you know, some of the things that we take for granted, like you know, Skype that we're talking on right now. Mm. Um, real rocket science in uh, you know back in the early 90s and you know we were working on things like you know, question trying to answer questions like you know what type of uh, frame refresh rate can we get away with you know can we get away with like one you know one picture every couple seconds because that was the level of bandwidth that we were dealing with wow. so yeah um, very different today when you know bandwidth is you know pretty much uh, you know more than you need so but awesome. yeah so, and then uh you know got into the process stuff and uh you know, in the uh, early, uh, I guess, early 2000s, uh, developed, uh, led the development of the uh, the Agile modeling uh, method and as well as the Agile data method where we, you know, answered the question, how do you do this Agile stuff for, for database stuff, database mm-hmm. work? And then uh, moved into, you know, looking at bigger, even bigger picture. And that eventually evolved into uh, Discipline Agile Delivery, um, which I developed, co-developed with Mark Lines. And then eventually that evolved into what we now call the, the Discipline Agile Toolkit. Wow. Awesome. That's uh yeah, you've got a very uh wide array of of uh technical knowledge there. I mean starting from card programming. That is that's something that I've always wanted to do. I've no I I've never um I've never done it and it's always something that I I think that uh, I I think every programmer at some point should try it. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. I, I agree with it. Well, well, first, I would suggest not doing it that way that, you know, still keeps the mystery and, mm. the, and the romance alive. But, uh, true, true, um, true. but yeah, yeah, but it really, it really forced you to become a good coder because, you know, at best, we could compile once a night. Mm. So 
had to, you know, we had to, you know, do our, do our, uh, our coding during the day. We would uh, then submit the cards at night, and then in the morning we'd come back, and hopefully things ran. You know, it rarely happened that way, but um, <laughs> worst case, you'd have a printout, and you know, you you hopefully have you know errors mm. or error messages, which wasn't always the case. You know, you'd, you'd have an error that hey, something crapped out in this five thousand lines of code. You might want to look into that. It would be sometimes the level which we would get, mm. but we would have to go and hand review the you know this code printout. Figure out which of the you know you know huge deck of cards you've got, mm. um, where somebody might be, and then and then redo the cards again, and then submit, and then hope hopefully the next day you get it. So at least we were compiling once a day, which <laughs> you know, was sort of lost in the you know in the in the late '80s and early '90s. This this idea of uh, you know compiling and integrating at least every 24 hours was lost, mm. and then it, it came back in the '90s with the you know, Microsoft and, and others, but. Um, and, and more and more effective compilers, but it, it really was. You know, we moved away from that for a long time, where you'd only you'd only compile every few weeks or a few months, which seems absolutely crazy these days. But yeah, yeah. So it's like compiling once a day was was really sort of leading edge until at least into the mid nineties. Wow. Why do you think we moved away from that? Um. Well, we moved away from cards, right? And we, you know, we had, and we, we started. We had these, you know, these uh, line, you know, first of all, line editors, which was mm. really rocket science, which, you know, cards with keyboards. Mm. But, um, <laughs> and, but we, then we moved to these, like these, you know, eighty, you know, you know, eighty character wide by mm. thirty-two characters, you know, thirty-two lines, whatever, whatever the size was, of like full screen code editors mm. at the time, which really amazing, mm. and and. Like it really was, you know, I'm making fun of it, but it really was amazing. And we then could start, you know, saving, and we were saving these files electronically. Mm. Wow, um, as opposed to on these physical cards. And we got sloppy, and we really, you know, well, you know, why go through this hassle of, you know, compiling once a day? Like what a pain in the butt that was when we could write a big pile of code and then compile, you know, every few weeks. Ah, this, right, yeah, thing. yeah. And it's, we really did lose it, and uh, it, it was sort of a shame. Right. Yeah. So how, how can you talk us through the story of, of the transition between Coda to, to working in, in, in Agile? What, what, how did that happen? Well, well, it, you know, it wasn't really a trans. Well, it was more of a, a learning um, thing. So I got mm-hmm. in the, in the early to mid nineties, I guess they started getting wrapped up in the process stuff. And at the time it was all heavyweight waterfallish. Um, CMM, you know, mm. stuff. I actually developed the co-developed the first um, CMM compl- CMM level five compliant object-oriented development process called the <laughs> OSP, the Object-Oriented Software Process, which w- was actually quite impressive at the time. It's embar- a little bit of embarrassing now, but it, it really was actually fairly solid. And mm. um, so I really got wrapped up into that, and then, but it really wasn't working. And yeah, well, it, w- it was working to a degree, but it was phenomenally wasteful and slow and, and you'd, you'd actually get involved in these large projects and it was obviously a disaster mm. and there was so much paper pushing going on and all this non-coding activity and, and, and some of it was valuable, but a lot of it really wasn't. Mm. And the, and see, I couldn't help but notice that like I'm a firm believer in observing what works as opposed to, you know, doing what I'm told. And the, and I was, so I was observing this stuff just wasn't working and the and then that and it's just asking well how do we make it lighter weight and then 
And it was about that time, and, and it started getting the rationally unified process, which you know now everybody knows is evil and you know Satan worshiping type stuff. But <laughs> uh, at the time, it was leading edge um, software engineering, and 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 some of it still is. Like this is this is one of the things that I, I get upset about when people bash Rupp. Um, yeah, and usually in, in the ask basic questions, so like, did you even bother to read about the Rupp? Well, no, I just know it's evil. I don't need to know anything about it. Really grow up. So, um, yeah, because and it's interesting. The agile community yeah, is still in the process of reinventing things that were in the rup you know, years ago. Right. Um, and, and, and certainly there was a you know rup definitely got mis you know uh, misused and abused and um, you know the, the management crowd got a hold of it and it was all over right. So, um, but anyways, <laughs> the um, and managers you know, you know I'm not bashing managers. Managers can be very very effective and useful and valuable people, but um, certainly sometimes they, you know, do way too much bureaucracy for their own good. But anyway, so, you know, Rupp got abused and, um, just like other things get abused. So, but anyways, there's a bunch of good stuff there. And then, and my question was, well, how do I lighten up Rupp? And, um, I eventually developed what became the Agile Unified process, which then, um, which sort of like too little, too late type of a thing, but, okay. uh, that works very well. And, but came out of that, coming out of that was agile modeling and, you know, the agile modeling method. So, and our focus at that time was on how do you do this lightweight modeling and sketching and, and post-it notes. So, um, like the things that we take for granted today in the agile community that you, you, you would sketch on a whiteboard or you can use post-it notes on a wall. Mm, um, mm. that was radical stuff. Uh, and this was evil. Um, I had I got into a lot of conversations where I was like the evil bastard of the universe for even proposing that a whiteboard sketch was a real model. Um, right. This was this was heresy. This really was heresy. Wow. Um, and it certainly wasn't what the modeling tool companies, um, none of which exist anymore um, for the most part. Um, yeah, there, I shouldn't say that. There's still a few pretty good companies out there that are delivering fairly decent you know, electronic or digital modeling tools. But for the most part, they never really went anywhere. And um, so, which is okay. But the, so anyway, so yeah, so so the things we take for granted now mm-hmm. uh, that are just totally, you know, completely normal mm. uh, was real rocket science back then. And of course, the Agile community is mm. reinvented terms because, you know, we all know that modeling is evil, but mapping is okay. Right? <laughs> so this is the level of thinking we have in the Agile community sometimes. You yeah. know, modeling evil, mapping good. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, we don't do modeling anymore, we do mapping. Right. Um, and that's, you know, whatever. Um, so, so, so let, let's, let's sort of um, go through like a glossary of terms just to ensure that, that uh, everyone's on the same page for those watching and listening. Um, so waterfall, let's start with that. What is waterfall? Yeah. So, so all these terms, um, that I think I suspect you can go through are, are <laughs> fun at best. Right. Um, waterfall generally refers to the, a serial approach to the life cycle where you, you know, you, you start with your requirements analysis and then you mm-hmm. get into architecture and design and then coding, then, um, testing and then eventually releasing a production. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was always feedback cycles there. And that was, you know, all, all the waterfall people um, say, well, it was never really a pure waterfall. But yeah, well, you know, having been on many almost pure waterfalls, I can I can certainly say that that wasn't the case. But anyway, so yes, yeah, so the idea is that you work in this serial order right. and for the most part with, with, you know, difficult feedback cycles, shall we say. Yeah. And um, eventually you'll get the, the work out the door. Now, the problem with that, of course, 
is that it's predicated on this idea that you have all the time in the world and you have all the money in the world to spend and that people can tell you up front what they want, which mm. we know is not the case. And if you actually take the time to read the original paper um, by Winston Royce about the waterfall life cycle, um, he's phenomenally clear that's a bad idea, that it doesn't scale, and don't do this. Um, yet that part of the of the paper – and then he went on to talk about you know, working in iter- iterative and incremental uh, manner, you know, pr- you know, basic agile type things, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, or some of the fundamentals of agile. Uh, and, but then that was ignored because that's not what the, you know, what the consulting companies and the, the government wanted here at the time. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if this is the right term, but I, I kind of uh, working on some projects before the, where it was waterfall, it, there was often more big bang releases in the sense that there wasn't really many pushes to production until a certain real hard deadline was 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 in place. Um, is that is that correct? That waterfall is more big bang. Yeah, it's more big bang. They, they tend to push a lot of the risk to the end of the life cycle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they and they, and then they and this is where the management folks jump in and they they you know throw all this bureaucracy into the process mm. to try to reduce the risk, but where and they really don't. Uh, they they generate a lot of paperwork and a lot of facade that the risk is being dealt with, and certainly some risk is getting paid down. Sure. But you fundamentally, you know, because you're pushing testing towards the end, because a lot of your critical feedback is towards the end, um, you, you you still take on these risks. And um, you know, so for example, the I do a lot of a lot of consulting in the governance space, and uh, IT governance is pretty much based still on waterfall thinking, and they, so they they hold all these reviews throughout the life cycle, and then they still get burned at the end of the life cycle. Mm. You, know, you know, they get burned in system integration testing or in UAT, mm. and that's because that's you know those are the points where they're actually addressing the risks of does the architecture work? You know, in SIT, that's what SIT is all about. Does the architecture work? Do these boxes talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fundamental risk you're paying down. So if you're getting burned in SIT. That tells you all this architecture and design risk stuff you thought you were doing, you really weren't. Um, you, you were holding, you know, a lot of nice facade going on, but you really weren't paying down those risks because you're still getting burned at the end of the life cycle. Or if you're getting, and similarly, if you're getting burned in UAT, then that tells you any sort of risk around did you, you know, do the end users like what they see? Um, you didn't really pay down those risks until you got burned in UAT, and then you know you're getting a lot of bad news coming your way. Um, mm. Right at the very end of the life cycle, when you're out of money and you're out of time, and you know bad things have already happened. So, um, this I think is the fundamental challenge that we see with these waterfall serial approaches: is that mm. um, they really do push risk to the end of the life cycle, and they really do um, um, inject cost and time and expense that um, isn't necessary. Now, there's a few places where this waterfall serial stuff makes sense. Okay. Um, Typical, you know, like very low risk things. We, we've done this a million times before, so doing it one more time is a no-brainer. If that's the type of project you've got in front of you, then you know, and you've got the skills to do waterfall, then do waterfall. But okay. otherwise, it's really not such a great idea. So, what what would you say Agile um, solves that waterfall couldn't? Well, I think the uh, the primary values I see in Agile are the shorter feedback cycles. Right. We, um, you know, so we're getting, and so as a result, we can steer. Now, the the problem with asking for feedback is you get feedback, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe act on. So, <laughs> 
done appropriately. The and this can be frustrating, and the uh, it also promotes greater collaboration, particularly between um, technical people and the stakeholders, the mm-hmm. you know the customers and the, the business and and all those good people. So and that increases the chance of you actually producing something that makes. Uh, that makes sense and that will actually delight your customers and, and bring value to the organization. Okay. So what's, what are the misconceptions then of agile? I mean, I, I can think of a couple, but what, what are, what would you say are the most common misconceptions? Well, I think there's a lot of um, fake agile um, going on out there and right, okay. you, you, you get these hackers that they just want to code and mm. you know i just want to play with toys just want to code i know better i'm smarter than you and which could actually be true but you know i'm smarter than you i just want to code leave me alone mm. and they and it's and, and i'm agile because i'm not writing any documents i'm agile because i'm not doing this or not doing that and that's just nonsense um, so you're hacking which and you want to hack fine go off and hack but don't, don't present that as agile and so there's a lot of this fake agile going on. There's also a lot of um, and, and, and to be fair, I, I don't think the programmers are are purposely lying. I, I just don't think they know any better. And they because 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 they, they you know they're hearing this message from others that oh agile is all about coding rah 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 rah. Mm-hmm. I mean certainly coding is is important, but so are the things. So are working with your customers. So are yeah. Um, yeah design skills and architecture skills and and actually produce something that's going to stand the test of time mm-hmm. and not just building yet another silo application. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we can really do better and we need to do better. So I think there's there's that as a, as a challenge. There's, mm-hmm. there's also, you know, the you know, Martin Fowler coined this term, the agile industrial complex a while back. And it was basically like all these huge consulting companies are out there just, you know, putting everybody out and saying, oh, yeah, these are agile people. Go for, you know, go for it. And the exact, you know, the people hiring them don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. They just don't they don't know enough about agile to detect, you know, is it, you know, is this consulting company actually spinning a story that's that's truthful? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the pro- and and this is exasperated by all of these questionable certifications that are out there okay. um, now. I'm a firm believer, now, and to be fair, you know, you know, to be upfront, you know, just an agile um, consortium, we do have uh, certifications, but our philosophy is that you have to earn them, mm-hmm. right? So we've got this, you know, wacky idea that an agile coach should actually be experienced in agile, <laughs> and we insist that a certified discipline agile coach um, has at least five years experience in agile, right? So, right. and. Where and, and there's very few. It's 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 whereas you know other groups, other methods or frameworks, or whatever. You, know, you take a two day course, suddenly you're a master. You take a four day course, suddenly you're a, you're a, you know you're a, a a program consult you know a certified program consultant or whatever it is. Um, those are are wonderful get rich quick schemes, but they're they're they seed the market with a, a lot of people with really don't have the background to do the job. And, and 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 don't get me wrong. There's some great people out there with you know those certifications that are doing a wonderful job. But there's also a lot of people that really don't know what what they're doing. Sure. And 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 if you're new to agile or if you're an executive who can you know who barely understands IT and software development to begin with, and now you're being asked to hire agile people, and you get all these people coming at you mm-hmm. with the certifications, which all sound good. Um, how the heck do you decide? How the heck do you know? And, and, and to be fair, I think 
the executives park their brains at the door when they're, when they're doing this. They're, they're, it's harsh to say, but they really do. So, mm. for example, I, you know, I, I get this. I hear because because my company helps organizations do transformations. We, you know, we're constantly you know, working with executives and coaching them, and they say, "Oh, I don't." You know, and, and they know they they understand they don't know what they're doing for the most part, and they, and they go, "How can how the heck can I find an agile coach? I don't know what to look for." And it's like. Eh, and, and they, they just they're overwhelmed and they they, they stop and, and they just give up for somehow. And I said, so and the analogy I like to use is, is one of hiring a soccer coach. Like I, I know nothing about soccer. You know, you kick a ball down a field and you try to get a goal. That's my level <laughs> of knowledge. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've got a young daughter. And if I had to hire a soccer coach for her, knowing almost nothing about soccer, I at least know to ask, well, does this has this soccer coach ever played soccer? Mm hmm. Right. Like you would expect a soccer coach to have played soccer at some point in their life. <laughs> you would expect them to have maybe a few years under their belt playing soccer. Sure. I, would, I, would, yeah. I would expect some story where, yeah, they were a kid. They played soccer and they came up through the ranks and they maybe played for their local town or for their school and then mm -hmm. played for a while. And maybe, you know, they had wonderful dreams of making it big and then they blew <laughs> it to me and now they're coaching. Right. I would expect some sort of story like that. Um, I would expect the same thing. Hiring an agile coach. If I knew nothing about hiring an agile coach, I would know enough to expect experience. I would know enough to hear some story of, yeah, I did agile for 10 or 15 years and, you know, I did this and blah, blah, blah. And, and then I've been on projects, several projects. And mm. also I would expect a story like that. And, and, and yeah, I've helped other people. Now I'm coaching. That is like, I, how can you not figure this out on your own? Right? But <laughs> apparently they can't. So, and then you go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We should ask. You know, our coaches should be experienced in agile. Like, I didn't think about that. Um, so, you know, so what do you do? And, and of course, these consulting companies are taking advantage of all this. Mm, mm. So yeah, so there, there's some challenges. So and be, and there's some great, you know, don't remember there's some great consulting companies out there, and there's some great coaches out there. Mm -hmm. But um, there's, I think, as you know, Martin Fowler and many others um, are saying, there's uh, something very seriously wrong going on in the agile community right, right now. Yeah, and I don't see a lot of. I don't see a lot of pushback. You know, I see you know, I hear complaining and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't see enough pushback. Right. And I think that's a um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, a moral challenge, I think, or a, maybe a, an ethical challenge for us. <laughs> so there's a couple of things in there that I, I wouldn't mind picking apart. Um, the first was you mentioned that um, some programmers we, we just we're just not clued up on on uh, agile and you know I'll put my hand up to say that I certainly am not clued up at all um I've done agile as I think agile should have been done because someone has told me to do it in such a way but I don't know whether that was strictly agile um and I've worked in places where people have told me to do certain agile processes but not all of the agile processes I don't know if that was correct or or what have you. Um, some places we didn't do scrums, that kind of thing. Some places we didn't do other bits and pieces. Um, so I think that we, us programmers, we, we get this sort of like um, disjointed knowledge of what Agile should actually be based on our previous experience. Is there is there like an industry standard of Agile and and perhaps an industry uh, accepted accreditation of, of Agile? No, there's not, right. and I don't think there ever will be. 
And okay. um, I've actually been involved in a couple efforts by the uh, by the ISO to put together uh, an industry standard, and they just failed miserably. Okay. Um, and it was an interesting experience, but it just crashed and burned. And what was interesting was the agile folks sort of came to an agreement. You know, we you know we had our little nit nit issues, but for the most part, we came to an agreement. But then when it was, but when the you know the the classic standards people got involved in the you know the government <laughs> and particularly the you know the representatives of the U.S. military um, mm. who were for these things, then it, then it just blew up. And and so there's been several rounds of this. Now I was involved in the first two, and I think there's been two or three others after that. But it, it never really went anywhere, um, just because there was just this just very huge cultural gap between sure. the, the standards people and the agile people. Um, mm. But but your point is right. Like there there is no even reasonable consensus that's been published. Like. And and I think and, and unfortunately, like the these get rich quick schemes um, get in the way. Right. Mm. So we, we we don't see a lot of, you know, when you're trying to certify people in a in a two day workshop, you get really limited. You get limited very quickly into what what type of material you can cover. And I think the other challenge, as we know, and we know this as software professionals, that is software development is complex. Yeah, this is a this is why we get, if it was easy, um, you know, if you could if you could master it in two day course, then we would not get paid what we're getting paid. Right. We'd be all getting minimum wage because it'd be an absolutely trivial thing. So mm-hmm. I think, first of all, we need to wake up and accept the fact that um, things are, are harder than we like to. You know, we inherently this is inherently complex. Let's embrace that mm-hmm. um, because it's inherently complex. It tells you your answer to how do we do software development effectively will at least be complicated. And it's not about holding a 15-minute stand-up meeting every day and holding a demo every so often. I, those are great things, mm-hmm. but I mean, they can help in certain situations. But that's not really what software development is all about. And it's and it's also not about the technical things as well, right? Um, certainly, the technical things are important, but the way that we interact with people and our our, our mindset and our focus on quality and, and and things like that also very very important. Mm-hmm. And we and the and the order in which we do work. So we you know we often talk about you know, pushing testing left in the life cycle. Well, yes, that's a great thing. But you know what? We're also pushing thinking right in the life cycle. So we should be pushing modeling or mapping, whatever you want to call that, uh, all the way through the life cycle, planning all the way through the life cycle. So we, as I think as software people, we tend to focus on the technical fun things that we like and the sexy things. And, mm-hmm. and somehow testing became sexy, but um, which you wouldn't have predicted 20 years ago. But the, um, so we like to focus on the fun things, but we then tend to sort of ignore the importance of, every, of all the other aspects of the overall effort. And this is where we get hung up. Mm-hmm. And I think the and we really need to, to have a better handle on this. So, for example, um, UX design, design thinking is is uh, becoming popular again, right? And this is this mm. is the third third round of this that I've seen in my career, and I'm and we're making the exact same mistakes we made in the other two rounds that I saw. But um, which is yeah, some of us will learn, some of us won't. But and that's okay. But it's really sort of a shame that why the heck are we on round three? Like that's a, I, to me that's a fundamental question. Why didn't the first two rounds stick? And it was because it's hard, mm-hmm. and, and and it requires skill, and it's hard to predict sometimes. So there, there's there's many, and and it it is um, it is a skillful endeavor. Um, so we need to, and we need to appreciate it more. And 
and maybe it's not as sexy and fun as playing with new, you know, the next, you know, the current release of, of PHP or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, as exciting as that is. So anyway, so we, we've got to, you know, we, we, we've got to appreciate that. And so I think there, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges there. Mm. And, you know, and then, you, you know, we, we can, you know, I could rant about the education system and that, but, you know, the, the educators are doing the best they can if people are even going to school and, um, and if people are reading and, so there's all you know. There's some significant challenges. Yeah, just- yeah. That's some really. That's a really good point because you you get self-taught developers, right? Yeah. Do you get self-taught agile coaches? <laughs> oh, all the time. Right. Um, yeah, you know, people pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I, uh, one of the things that I do uh, that I like to do is when, whenever we get uh, a resume in for somebody, um, I go. I first thing I do, I go straight to LinkedIn and see what their what their background is. Mm. And sometimes you can see some deep experience in agile. Great, I mm. want to talk to them. Other times you see, you know, you know, they'll have whatever background. And then six months ago, uh, six months ago, they took a Scrum workshop, and then they might have been on one project. And now they think they're a coach after with six months of experience under the belt. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to be fair to them, you know they got to you know, they got to pay the mortgage, they got to make money, mm-hmm. and and, they, and frankly they can get away with this. So and they're they're and they do you know, yeah I caught you, but you know what the next person probably won't. So why not? And 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 they're also looking. They got to get you know they got to build their resume and get experience sure. and all that sort of stuff. But you know this, but so but so the point I want to make is that you can start. You know, you can very easily start to figure out, you know, is this person self-taught? Is this, you know, are they even qualified? So, you know, like, you know, if they'd taken a workshop like that workshop, you know, five years ago and been working on projects or 10 years ago and been working on projects and doing, you know, whatever, in the, you know, in various agile experiences, then, yeah, maybe now, mm. maybe they're mm. qualified, to, which, you know, if they've got the, you know, the, the people skills and all good sort of stuff. But certainly after six months, no, no way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, right. So we've, we've, we've talked a lot about how agile is, is great. Um, and, and, uh, all the, all the benefits. Is there any negatives of agile? Um, I think the um, hard question. So it's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. So I think that the negatives are, um, it does take time to learn. It does, it, it, it does require a culture and a mind shift. Mm. Um, but it also requires a skill shift. So I think the, you know, the agile community, we, we lo- you know, there's a huge focus on the mind shift change, which is uh, difficult to do. But it's also the easy thing to do in transformations, which is, is sort of weird advice. But you know, being agile is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. But doing agile is also critical as well. So um, you know, if you do, it's great that you get the mindset. But if you don't have the skills to the job, you still can't do the job. So sure. I think, and we've sort of thrown the baby out with the bathwater on that one in some cases. Um, but the, so anyway, so I think there's, you know, this, so a big downside of, of agile and becoming better and beca- is it takes time. You need to invest in your staff. You need to invest in your people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, and this is threatening from an organization. You know, it's expensive and time consuming, um, which, you know, management doesn't like to hear usually. Um, and it, it also goes against the, um, the current culture in a lot of organizations in a lot of countries, um, the uh, the relationship between employers and employees have, have fallen apart, and you know the employers have 
treated, you know, over the last couple of decades have treated people reasonably poorly and have not invested in them and have not um, helped them in their careers as much and, and, and have, you know, um, treated them like, you know, uh, replaceable parts in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people have picked up on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people are smart. So now people are contracting and, you know, and a lot, there's a lot of contractors. There's a lot of, a lot of, of um, gig type engagements. Mm-hmm. And when, when you're a contractor, you might be, you might, some of the contractors are, are very good and very caring, but usually they're just there, you know, I'm on a six month contract. I'm going to get, I'm going to get this job done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the best I can. Hopefully maybe get, another, if I like this company, I'll, you know, I'll hopefully try to get another contract, but I'm not really thinking long-term. I'm not really like long-term for the company. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, and particularly if it's a project, then, you know, the company is already thinking short-term and more than likely are shooting themselves in the foot on increasing their technical debt and building a, you know, building yet another uh, silo system and, and, and all these other problems. And then we've got these short-term contractors who are also thinking that way. So we end up really harming ourselves, uh, organizationally, we harm ourselves in the long run um, by doing this. Now, that's not an agile thing. That's just a, a, a bad management thing. But now we have got to dig our way out of this hole. We need to start t- treating people better, and this is this is an important part of agile. We need to invest in our we need to invest in our staff, and we need to treat them as if they're actually valuable humans, um, and and not just the rhetoric, but the actual action required to do this. And this is this is very problematic in a lot of organizations. They're just not used to this. Um, the executives have treated IT like a black box. Like the you know the, the big consulting companies have you know, come along for for a good decade or so and said, well, if IT is not your thing, you should outsource it. You, know, you should focus on your bread and butter. You should outsource the things you're not good at. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like any company that followed that advice is now screwed. Completely yeah. and out of luck, um, because what's happened is every organization now is a software organization. So if you are not fundamentally like you know the banks, uh, you know uh, yesterday I was working with a bank, you know that's a software organization that just happens to make money selling you banking services. Um, my insurance company is a software organization that just happens to make money selling me insurance. My grocery store down the street happens to be a software is a software company that just happens to make money selling bananas. Um, you, this is how management needs to think. So any organization that basically outsourced um, either portion, large portions or almost completely outsourced IT mm. is in very serious trouble these days. And um, how do you dig your way out of this hole, right? So, so we need to start building up. Uh, we need to start building up this expertise. We need to start treating our people well and attracting them and retaining them and 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 allowing them to actually improve and get better and do all these cool DevOps things and mm-hmm. all this cool process improvement stuff that as an organization we desperately want. Like, why wouldn't we want to get better? Um, but that requires investment in time and a very different mindset on the part of our executives. And Agile makes this apparent. So this, you know, I don't want, you know, I'm blaming Agile for this, but it's not fair to blame Agile for this. We're just making, you know, we're, you know, we're basically pulling on the thread, this organizational thread of our sweater and everything's unraveling now. And so Agile is making this um, apparent. So, you know, the Scrum folks are pretty clear about this. Scrum makes these problems apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's fine, but we need to take the next step and actually how do we fix these problems? Um, because, you know, pointing out, hey, you got a problem that really sucks. Too bad for you. Um, yeah, that's nice, but doesn't get the job done, right? It's not what we need. Sure. So we need to fix these problems now, and um, this and this requires hard work and time, and and people who know what they're doing. Mm. And I think that's and that that becomes a challenge is that 
our executives are not, for the most part, not change professionals. They um, and and they have very short time frames, right? You know, you you end up with with um, you know you got to make your got to make your numbers for the quarter or or at worst your year, right? Like this mm. is this to be the longest time frame that most organizations have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know they they pretend to do strategic stuff, but for the most part, you know. Got to, got to, got to make my numbers for the year to get my bonus, right? Um, so there's a lot of short-term thinking that just doesn't get the job done, and um, and agile requires long-term. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, it, it's like a well, definitely, it's 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 a it's a, a slow-burning thing. It's not like a, a, a sudden fix. You know, oh my 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 organizational structure or the the development flow is wrong just put in agile and it'll be done in a week that 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 is not the right mindset um there's no easy there are no easy answers here and there's no easy fixes mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people trying to sell you easy fixes and 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 it's great right it's like i'm obviously a big guy um and you know could benefit from you know changing my lifestyle but um the the fact is, if you want to get healthier, if you want to lose weight, it takes time, right? You got to eat mm. better, you got to exercise better, and you got to stick at it, right? There's no you know miracle two day miracle diet or two week miracle diet. It's a change your lifestyle. Sure, that's that's what gets the job done. Mm. And the and and this is the exact same thing with process improvement. Change your lifestyle. Sure. Um, do the hard work. Change your lifestyle and be disciplined enough to to stay at it. Um, so that and. And how do you do that when you're when you've got a a quarter based or an annual based um, mindset? You can't. Yeah. And, and then the executives, of course, turn over constantly. You get reorg the organization, all this sort of stuff. So how do you how do you stick at it? It's very difficult. I, I also think that uh, perhaps people will or the exec, execs or people in charge will will consider agile at the worst possible time because it, you know their their backs are up against the wall because something's gone wrong. And they don't have the right process in place to to put in uh, procedures and, and stuff to to make that environment better for everybody. Um, whereas it would have been easier if that would have been implemented on 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 the get go. Um, yeah, and 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 I try to have these discussions with executives all the time. And yeah, they're almost always a lot of them will leave it to the last minute or or what they believe. And particularly when you think there's going to be an easy fix, mm. then. No real need to worry about it until you're actually hosed. Um, but the problem is, is that no, this is you know, it really does take many, many years. And a lot of companies now have a very short window mm-hmm. to improve things. And you know, you get like in the financial world, you get all these fintechs that are disrupt, disrupting things. And uh, and that, you know, that's that's an easy that's an easy thing. But what do you do when you have these these alpha competitors like the Googles and the Amazons and the Ebays and the Apples of the world coming after you? Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, if you by the time you're targeted by Amazon, it's probably too late. Um, you know, you need to be shoring up your defenses now. Um, yeah. So if as an executive, if you, if you have any sort of inkling that an Amazon or an eBay or one of those t- types of companies are, you know, might decide to get into your space, or if you're worried that some up and coming you know, startup, you know, fintech or some other tech company, you know, might come in and, uh, you know, eat your lunch. If, if you've got an inkling that that's an issue, you got to get going now. Mm. Um, as at the, at the point in time where you can detect that you're under threat, it's probably too late. Sure. Yeah. Totally agree on that. Totally agree on that. Um, okay. So you, you work at disciplined agile. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, what, what does that offer? What does disciplined agile offer? 
Yeah, so we so so Dismanagile started um, with a focus on software development on mm-hmm. Dismanagile delivery, and we <coughs> excuse me. So with Dismanagile delivery, we were answering the question: How does this work from beginning to end? How do you how do you you know if if you're still doing projects, how do you successfully initiate a project? Do the construction stuff, release and production. If okay. you're doing continuous delivery, then you know how do you support a you know a longstanding product team or a longstanding team? Um, if you're doing some sort of a lean startup thing, then how do you do that? So, um, yes, yeah, so we, we basically answer the question: How does this all fit together? And we, um, when you, in all aspects of software development, not just the not just the stuff that's easy to certify you in, like oh here's how to, here's how to run a meeting. Oh, congratulations, you're <laughs> a certified. Um, no, it's like, well, how the heck does architecture fit in? How the heck does testing fit in and, and UX fit in and, and ooh, the evil management stuff fit in and the evil government stuff fit in? <laughs> All the stuff fit together in a streamlined manner. Mm. Um, and how, how do you make it as lightweight but still sufficient as possible? And that's actually – oh, and because every person is unique and every team is unique, how do you actually give people choices – to allow them to do the right thing in the situation they face mm. as opposed to the one official way that I want to certify you in. Sure. And that becomes a very and, – and, and remembering that software development is a very complex thing. So mm. you know, how does it all fit together and, and when, you, when might you use a technique and when might you not want to and to what extent? These are very hard questions to answer. And so we, we've done our best to answer these questions. And – so then that was Dispenagile Delivery, and then the next layer on top of that is Dispen DevOps. So how do you do DevOps in an enterprise class situation? And and it's not just this you know figure eight you know the you know, the figure eight infinite loop CI CD stuff, which is which is important but great. But you've also got to ask basic questions, right? So how do we how do we bring security into the mix? How do we you know so DevSecOps? How do we bring database stuff? into the mix. Like I go to organizations and they they'll all the time they tell me, hey, you know, we're doing DevOps, we've been doing it for a couple of years and we're awesome. Look at us, see, you know, we've got Jenkins running over here. Ooh, we're doing we're doing DevOps. Um, yeah, okay, but how long does it take you to make a change to a production database? Oh well, you know, you know, we gotta add a call and it take us six weeks. <laughs> so you're not really doing DevOps then, are you? It takes mm. you six weeks to make an absolutely trivial change. That's not DevOps. Mm. Oh well that's data stuff. That doesn't count. It does count. <laughs> it really does. Um, so how do you bring the database stuff in? And, you know, interesting questions. How do you do support and you know, help desk, you know, chatbot, you know, whatever you want to do? Um, how do you do that in a in a large organization where I might not know, I might not even know what systems I'm using, let alone who to contact or get, get for help, right? So how do we do, you know, how do we escalate challenges or how do you solve as many as we can before it even gets to a human but then mm-hmm. if it does get to a human how do we escalate um, how do we do release management and or release coordination when we have hundreds or thousands of teams in flight um, yeah you know wow. I, I'm a firm believer in the you build it you run it type of mentality actually my very first book um, the object primer in 95 was talking about that um, but that's that sort of stuff but the um, how do you how do you do that when you have you know how do you how do you allow hundreds of teams releasing a production uh, on their own? Well, there's a little bit of coordination going on. So how do we do that? Um, and it's not it might not be a release train, uh, but it might be. But it might you know, there's better ways of doing things. But anyways, it's one option. So so how does all this stuff fit together? How do we and how do we bring the business people? involved in making biz DevOps. So what happens, so it's interesting. So if you look at all the various things that the DevOps community wants to talk talk about, like DevSecOps and biz DevOps and database DevOps and, and all these other and all of them are important. But once you start actually looking at the bigger picture and ask how does that fit together, 
um, you go way beyond this, you know, little figure eight thing, um, which uh-huh. I, I love, but it's just wonderful marketing, but that's about it. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we got to look at the bigger picture and, and it's, it's interesting. And once you start looking at the bigger picture, it goes way beyond the agile developer vision of CICD as DevOps, uh, which is, which is fine. So hmm. then, so then so that's the second layer. Then the next layer is, well, how do we do the rest of IT? Cause it's not just about DevOps and, and, and the DevOps folks are, are getting pretty good at this now. You know, they, they start realizing, well, it's a DevOps for IT and, and there's all these different terms that are struggling with that. But, you know, how do you do, how do you govern all this sort of stuff? How do you do reuse across all these or across all these teams? And, and how do you how do you do HR, like people management stuff across all these teams? So how do you do portfolio management and good, good things like that? So there's a lot of aspects of IT that go way beyond DevOps. So how do you do that in a streamlined manner? Right? Mm. Um, and then finally, how do you actually do business agility? So how do we, you know, how do we take advantage of this? How do, how do, how do we do value streams? How do we do, how do we do, do finance? Um, how do you do procurement, right? So, um, this is a huge challenge for agilists, right? You know, we, we, we're mm-hmm. very good at the, the technical, you know, programming, techie bithead software development stuff. But then as soon as we have to interact with the finance team and, and they want to have a, you know, some sort of, you know, detailed upfront estimate, uh, suddenly, you know, it's like throwing an anchor on your neck when you're, when you're trying to swim. Um, <laughs> pr- their procurement processes are a disaster in most organizations. And, you know, they do their – you know, they try their best, but it just – they shoot you in the foot every time. Mm. And so how do we how do we be agile at that? How do we be agile at marketing? How do we be agile at, at like, HR people management stuff? Um, there's a lot of aspects. Because if you don't get that right, then you really – can't you're really not you're really not an agile organization and and these are all hard topics and the 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 challenges is is and it's all got to fit together so this is what we do in discipline agile we look at the overall challenge that we face um and it's not pretty at all but this is the reality right and it and, and and we and we and our point is we need this all fits together mm-hmm. you need to get fitting together reasonably well and you need to you need to help the finance people become agile, help the HR people become agile. And here's, here's how we can do that. Sure. And this is, this I think is the, is the challenge that we face. Um, and it's certainly more than a, than a, you know, two day you know, certification program <laughs> to run a few meetings. So you know, we really do need to, to look at this bigger picture. Um, and, and, and then of course the challenge is, is one size does not fit all. Every organization is unique. Sure. So you need to build a learning culture in your organization that, enables teams to actually uh, learn and prove and get better and experiment and and all and and, and as, as well get the job done and, and interact with each other effectively um, and that, that's hard and there's mm. no easy solution to this other than do the hard work as you know this is hard work you got to do it you got to get going on it as soon as you can it must and, be, it, yeah i mean but, it, it must be quite challenging in some cases to to because you you're, you are literally altering the culture of the organization Pointing out the flaws, replacing them with with different processes, you know, change isn't easy um, at all. Uh, so yeah, it must be, but it, but again, it must be very re- rewarding to take out to snip out. Um, I guess what I would term as perhaps you know a, a, a problem area, right, and replace that with something which is more efficient and more streamlined, like you mentioned. I didn't even consider agile past what i do in a in you know as a, as a, as a programmer so in terms of you, what you just mentioned devops and and databases and then even touching upon the different departments i didn't even consider that agile 
could do all that. Of course it can. And of course, um, Agile, as we mentioned before this, uh, this interview, Agile uh, can be used outside of software development, um, yeah. which, which is, you know, obvious if you think about it, really. But uh, <laughs> Well, it, it is, right? So you know, if you're a small, small startup company, a few people, you know, coding something, fine, and mm. you're, and you're offered a development team. But if you're in any, in any sort of an effort that's larger than that, then your software development team will be interacting with others, right? So sure. in Agile, we've got this concept of a whole team that that you know you should have enough skills, enough you know enough resources, enough enough ability, enough people, um, and money to get the job done. Mm. This is a complete and utter myth. This is <laughs> this is like just observably not true, right? So I, and, and 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 the reason why I say this, and I can back this up with numbers. I ninety-seven. I, I, I can literally back this up with industry. Ninety-seven percent of Agile teams are not whole. Right. 97%. I'm not a mathematician, but I believe that's the majority. And anyways, so yeah. And, and, and the reason why I say they're not whole is that if you've got to interact with another team to, to get the job done. So for example, if my software development team has to go to the finance people for money to finance whatever it is that we're doing, then we're not whole. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources we need to do the job done. Mm. If I have to go and interact with the release management people in order to, you know, get access to the, you know, to the, to Jenkins or get access to whatever we do, or even be allowed to release some production. I'm not whole. My team's mm. not whole. Mm-hmm. We had to go to them. Right. So, so this is common, which is fine. Like I want to be as whole as possible, but we need to collaborate effectively with these other teams. And so the, so there's an interesting implications to that. And one of them is that, you know, if say we're brand agile is brand new to our organization, you know, my team is the pilot team that learns how to do agile. Right? So say that's our situation. Um, as soon as my team starts becoming agile, um, because my team might be interacting with seven or eight other teams to get the job done, those seven or eight other teams also need either need to become more agile themselves. They should mm-hmm. take the opportunity to learn and get better or they need to get out of the way. Right. Um, so, you know, give me an organizational pass, basically. Mm-hmm. So. So this is the challenge. So I think you know. So when you talk to these people, you know, when you talk to people who are, you know, their organization is struggling or they're a little bit frustrated because they're coaching a team and, and there's all this outside nonsense going on. Um, well, yeah, because you know, it's like don't complain to me that it's hard to get money out of the finance people because they want all this, you know, you know all these estimates up front. Um, interact effect, like learn about finance. You know, be qualified, right? Learn about finance, learn about, you know, give them options and figure mm. out how we can actually achieve whatever goals the finance people are trying to get get at and yet still be as agile as possible and help them to understand agile and help them to mm. start working in more agile manners. Right. Um, don't stick your head in the sand. And, and this is hard. Right. So and, and, and this is very hard. So mm. um, you have to do that. Like you've got to go in at the very beginning, realizing, wait a minute, our team's not whole, never will be total myth. And we've got to work effective with others. And that means we need to help those other teams as well become more agile. And that means as a coach, I need to, have the, I need to first understand that. I need to have the skills to do that, or I need to have access to other people that can help me do that mm. um, either way. Right. So um, this is the challenge we face or it crashes and burns. Right. Mm. It's like I was saying this earlier, like it's like having an anchor through, you know, the, you know, you know, my team is really totally yeah. awesome agile, um, but then the procurement guys throw an anchor under neck or the, you know, the finance people throw an anchor under neck. So we're done. Right? Mm. We're done. Mm. Uh, and and this this is the challenge that I see over and over and over again with with agile coaches and with agile teams is, or teams trying to trying to become more agile is that the rest of the organization is really sort of holding them back. 
and they're not engaging well. And, and often they're not allowed to engage is, is, is the real problem. Yeah. Or the, you know, the, the executives don't understand the importance of allowing them to engage because they're looking for, once again, they're looking for a simple answer, right? Let's just do scrum on this team and things will be fine. Um, well, no, we, you know, we touch too many other parts. So we, we've got to help them too. This is true. This is very, very true. I, I hadn't, I hadn't think, thought of it like that. That's um, the, how, how deeply integrated everything is. Um, yeah. I mean, even, you know, working with graphics designers who aren't coders at all, they are still part of the process because they still need to bring yeah. it, build the design. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. And, and that's the thing. Like they, they, so the graphic. <laughs> designer they need to understand how they fit in they need to become mm. more you know start acting becoming more agile and more collaborative um same thing with the coders and as a coder i need to appreciate what the graphic designer is trying to do and and leverage them and learn from them and and vice versa um and this has been a an organizational challenge that we've had for years that because all these things are are complex and require skill we want to specialize, right? We want to have sure. the graphic designer, the coder, the tester. And we want we, we have this fantasy that you know, the graphic designer can do their thing and throw their stuff over the wall to the coder who does their thing and so on. And it doesn't work that way at all. We need to collaborate. We need to learn. And mm. We need to work closely. We need to um, learn from each other and appreciate what the others are doing. Because, you know, to be fair to the graphic, you know, I've seen wonderful graphic designs done. Um, and then you ask basically, so how are we going to implement that? And it's like, well, that's not my problem. Well, it really is because yeah. your beautiful design can't be implemented. Mm-hmm. I was I was involved in a with a, a customer about two years ago, and they you know they hired this outside firm to the truly awesome, beautiful design. I, I got to give them credit for the work they did. And then I'm sitting in the reality meeting, um, and where where they're walking us through what they've already shown to the executives and gotten the blessing of the executives for. And then um, I turned to the the data architect and said, do we actually have that data? And I guess, no. <laughs> yeah, we can't build that. We're like two years away from that. Um, and meanwhile, they're promising, oh, yes, it's going to be done in a few months. And it's like, yeah, but you just want to need data to support it. Other than that, though, yeah, it's you know, awesome, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's because they didn't they didn't collaborate, right? They went off and did their specialty, and they did an awesome job with their specialty, but it all fell apart when you had to look at the big picture. And I think this is and, – and, and I'm sure you've seen coders going off and producing a truly beautiful piece of mm. code, a truly awesome thing, and then people, yeah, we didn't need that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, lots of stories there I could mention where um, me and other coders that I, I'm aware of who, who, who've spent the whole bank holiday Monday working on something that isn't going to be used. <laughs> yeah, Wasted your time. Yeah. And that was was a conversation. And that would have been a conversation. That would have been a, that would have been an email or a conversation or, or some, some form of um, ticket, the the issue that, that that would have been uh, talked about and talked over. But um, yeah, you can't, as a coder, you can't code alone. You you just can't, you just simply can't do that. I I think, um, I think that coders um, are more, are more used to agile, I think, because we are the people who push the button, throw the thing over the fence. Um, and that becomes more of the release sort of part of agile. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear the fact that other parts of the, the other departments, other people that connect to the code 
in some way, shape or form are also part of this big uh, moving wheel called Agile. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they that sometimes they can become underrepresented, perhaps. Um, yeah, especially, I mean, on the Scrum meetings that I've been involved, it has mostly been coders, which I guess yeah. is, is, is not great. <laughs> well, yeah, and, 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 you know, a challenge, you know, so that our business stakeholders, well, stakeholders in general, um, they've got their normal jobs to do, right? Sure, they can't yeah. be attending all these, you know, stand-up meetings all the time. They don't have the time and they no, don't care. No. Um, it's, it, they, they really, you know, it's because they, they, they do, they, they've been told, you know, mm. business has been treat IT like a black box and they've had this drilled into them for decades now. Mm. Um, so, and, and to be fair that, you know, they're understaffed and they're overwhelmed and, and they got a lot of other things to do too. Right. So the last thing they, they need to hear about is, you know, these, these teams, these technical teams wanting help. Um, so we need, so we need to educate them and we need to, Excuse me. We need to help them understand the importance of this. Um, but also the the thing is, is, as software professionals, we need to understand the domain better and we we need to do reality check, and we, we need to understand our own jobs better. So, you know, this example where this where this design team went off and you know, built this beautiful thing that couldn't be built. Um, that's that, that's just incompetence. It's like, why the heck didn't somebody ask at the very beginning, you know, can this be built? Um, oh. and this is, this is a very serious issue and they, they didn't do it. Right. Mm. And they, and cause it's inconvenient. Like I, I said this earlier, like it's, you know, one of the things about agile is it's, it's all about shorting the feedback cycle, but the inconvenient thing about asking for feedback is you get it and it might not be what not, might not be what you want to hear. Right. Mm. So, um, and, and also to be fair to this design team, they were probably told do this. Your job is to produce a wonderful design, go off and do that do mm. the best you can. Um, and, and they're all front end, right? They're not worrying about the actual sure. implementations, they're not their problem. Mm. Um, and they might, there might not have been anybody with those skills on the team, um, at all. Um, so it's not, and, and certainly it's not, not their, not their, not their problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they should, still should have known, right? They, yeah. they still should have been looking, you know, thinking about the bigger picture and doing basic reality checks long before they presented something. Mm. Um, yeah. But, the horizontal view of things. Yeah. Um, Okay, so so um, so with disciplined agile, are you? Uh, there's a team there, right? And they go off and they 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 coach these organisations to run in an agile kind of manner. Is that correct? Yeah. So we um, so as a company, we we ourselves do coaching. Um, we're slowly moving away from that and into more into partner enablement. We do right. training and coaching and and good things like that. But um, we're we're working more and more with partners internationally now because we just don't have the bandwidth. Mm. And um, so yeah, so so we go in, we provide training, coaching uh, at at multiple levels. So. We're firm believers in, in engaging with the executives, with middle management, and and with the development teams. And this, I think, is a, is another challenge I see in a lot of agile transformations, is that there's this attitude. Well, you know, we'll get the executives on board, we'll get the developers on board, and we'll just squeeze middle management. And middle management doesn't appreciate that for some reason, <laughs> uh, and they push back. And they're phenomenally good at playing politics. So, um, and and they're smart people that could be very useful and valuable if you help them make this transition. So, mm. we're firm we're firm believers, and and we most of our successes have been where we've you know positively engaged middle management and helped help them to to um, improve themselves. Um, and that, that that's hard. Mm. <laughs> that that can be very hard. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very valuable too. Yeah. 
Well, Scott, it's, it was a uh, great to talk to you about agile and uh, what you, what you guys do. It's, um, it's a, a very interesting subject. Um, and it's opened my eyes a lot, uh, in terms of what agile is, um, based upon my previous misconceptions. <laughs> um, Yes. If, if someone wants to get in touch, how, how would they do so? Yeah, so that, you know we, we maintain a few site, a few sites. I guess the the critical one is probably uh, disciplinedagile.com. There's a hyphen there, so disciplined agile or disciplined hyphen agile.com. Mm-hmm. Um, disciplinedagiledelivery.com is a, more of a informational um, WordPress based blog uh, informational site. A lot of uh, a lot of good information there. And then Disciplined Agile Consortium, you know, no hyphens at all, dot org, right. um, where we do the um, some services and the training and, and we, the training offerings are there and the um, certification stuff is there and, 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 a bunch, and, and information as well. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll provide links in the, uh, in the show notes below. Um, do you have any Twitter handles, anything like that? Yeah, uh, Scott W. Ambler. Cool. Awesome. And um, before before we dive off, um, is there anything else that you would like to add or mention in terms of agile? What we've discussed? Yeah, um, no, I think I think this this is a great conversation. I think you know, agile is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, uh, I would like to see um, you know agile practitioners um, become you know just actively try to learn. Like if you can build up this learning mentality and, and, and learn widely, it's not just, you know, I want to become the best darn Java programmer in the world and learn everything you know about Java, which is, which is great, but please also learn about testing and, and, and uh, analysis and design and mapping and, and all these other great things. And, and because it's important and, and learn, um, you know, work, uh, learn about the domain. Um, one of the things I love about my job is I get to go into all these organizations around the world and, and learn about very interesting domains mm. uh, that I really had no, no idea about. And what's, what I always find interesting is that when I don't know anything about something, it's like, Oh, wow, that's gotta be pretty easy and straightforward. And then as soon as you start looking at it, Whoa, this is so <laughs> complex and cool and interesting. And, and there's all these really interesting issues that you'd have no idea were mm. going on until you started looking at it. So, uh, th- this is what I really like, but, uh, but yeah, so just, you know, become, you know, focus on learning, focus on experimentation, focus on uh, sharing your own skills and collaborating with others. That, that's, um, that's what I always like to leave people with. Yeah, that's good advice. That's very good advice. Well, Scott, thank you ever so much for, uh, coming on and spending some time with me this evening. It's been great oh, speaking my- to you. Yeah. Fantastic. Excellent. Have a great day. And for everyone who's watching on the YouTubes and listening on the podcast, happy coding. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.